Welcome to AgriMinds, the podcast where we explore the intersections of personal growth and professional success in the ag industry. I'm Casey Bull, your host. Thank you for joining me as we dive in to the different strategies and insights that will help you level up your life and career. From mental health to leadership development, we're going to cover it all. So sit back and get ready to grow with AgriMinds. Welcome to another episode of the AgriMinds podcast. Today, I have Jana Earp with me. Her and I connected on social media, and she shared a lot of personal stuff, but a lot of professional tips as well. So I wanted to bring her onto the podcast, hear her story, and today we're going to switch things up a little bit. We're going to hear you know, different pointers, business etiquette, networking tips, things like that. And so get ready to just kind of explore the professional side of things with us today. Jana, welcome to the AgriMinds podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I am thrilled to be here. I love watching everything, your story on social media. So thank you for having me. Oh, back at you. I think you've got a fascinating story and I just can't wait to dive in. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about who you are. Perfect. So Jana Earp, I born and raised in Texas, still live here on my own little ranch now. Um, I started my working uh, career in corporate America and a year and a half ago, moved over to the ag industry and immediately felt like this is home and it's great to be able to be working in an industry that I also live in now. So, oh, this is going to be juicy because I think everybody that we've talked to has either been raised on a farm, grown up ranching and, you know, kind of left the farm or left the ranch to go work for corporate America or is trying to do both. And so I would love to hear a little bit more about where you started and when or why that transition even happened for you and kind of what you went through as you switched gears. So I really didn't ever think about having a job in agriculture or the Western industry growing up. My parents had a ranch, but they both had jobs outside of the home. So once I graduated and was looking for a career, I had a few different jobs, um, a law firm and then medical field, and then finally landed in corporate America in the oil and gas industry and was not a passion of mine. didn't see something I had coming, but I'm so grateful for my time there. I was able to have incredible mentors at that company people that I still keep up with today. And I feel like that's really where I built my career and learned a lot of the business etiquettes and how to very much take care of clients. Uh, I was always been in sales and partnerships my entire career, even now in agriculture. And my personality doesn't necessarily fit with what sales is sometimes. And so I really credit my successes to mentors I had when I was at the oil and gas company in corporate America who taught me how to really take care of clients and meet their needs properly. So I I was at the first company or my last company for eight years and um, really felt like I had become stagnant and had learned a whole lot, but wasn't adding anything to my professional or my personal life in that moment and decided I really needed a change. So it was very hard to walk away from something that I felt like was a good career and a family, um, but just felt right. And so I chose to leave. And then very shortly after this opportunity came up with a cattle association that I have known my entire life and been a part of um, a lot of my life. And the job role was almost identical. I got goosebumps when I read it and thought this, this is it. This is what I need to be doing. Took the leap of faith and uh, I landed at an incredible association um, working with some great people. 
in the first year, I would say, I feel like I am home and I, I belong here. In the second year, I would say it is absolutely home and you recognize the the struggles and the hardships that come with that comfort zone as well. So it's all good, but a lot of learning here, which is what I was looking for. And sometimes you have to be careful what you're asked for. So <laughs> I think it's fascinating to hear you say, like, I never thought about being in ag or ranching or cattle or, you know, in my mind, I think of farming and ranching as two separate things just because, you know, here in the middle of Indiana, we don't have a whole lot of ranches, at least not the same type that I'm sure that you experience. I mean, we're farmers here and we have livestock, but I wouldn't say that we're like full-blown ranchers here. And so when I think of like our lifestyle or the things that we, um, you know, how we think about things, it is a little bit different, but I, I just, I love to hear you say like, agriculture wasn't necessarily where I thought I was going to end up. And then that perfect ideal job was right under your nose. But something that I really want to go back a little bit further and touch on, you said my personality doesn't quite match up to the sales role. What did you mean by that? So I am an introvert and it's something that I've become proud to say now. Um, I, um, I'm, quiet. I don't need to be the loudest voice in the room. I don't need to um, have uh, an opinion on the table. I'm very good with the flow. Um, so it's not my nature to um, to need to push an agenda and to need to make things happen. So in my mind, sales, you know, you're going to a client and you have these products or these opportunities and you're presenting it to a client and you're you're almost harassing, right? Where it's going to them constantly with the newest products, the newest things. And I've experienced, I've been on the other end of it. And so um, it it's not in my nature to be pressing or to even be heard sometimes. It's something that I'm, I've learned to do well in my professional life. And I'm still learning to do in my personal life is to be direct and be heard. So again, going back to my mentor at my previous company, she was so great to explain that sales is just all about relationships and all about meeting needs of the clients and meeting them where they're at. There's never going to be two clients that are the same, that need the same thing. So if you look at sales, how I did before, where it's just this one box and you approach everybody the same way with the same opportunities probably not going to be really successful. And I've had some, um, some managers in the past that had one way of doing it. And um, it was, it was difficult to work with that because clients are all individuals just like us. And so once I really grasped the idea of meeting my clients where they're at, meeting their needs, it's about building the relationships and how I can make them succeed and not how I can have the most number of sales or the biggest sale. Um, obviously that's important to make a successful company on my end, but if I'm doing um, all the research and finding out what my client needs and what fits them best, at the end of the day, I'm taking care of them. They're coming back to me. And even if I don't help them in that moment down the road, they're going to remember those conversations and how I had their best interest at mind. So that's the part that does fit my personality is being helpful, wanting to meet needs, um, but the forceful and direct and being heard is something that I've had to learn to do in my way to make it work. Ooh, okay. So I've mentioned on this podcast several times about this, 
you know, model that I teach on called the working genius. And this morning I was listening to the working genius podcast and their most recent episode, and it was on introverts and extroverts and how, you know, that kind of ties into our strengths and our talents. And something I never, ever even thought about before was what extroverted and introverted actually means. And if you know me, you know that I'm a very outgoing person. I'm outwardly. So like every time I think, I don't necessarily do it internally. Like I think out loud, I comment out loud on certain things. I mean, I'm, I'm very outgoing, but I always thought that that meant I was an extrovert. And I struggled with this for a really long time because it drains me to be around people. And today on that episode, when they were talking about like, kind of what the definition of both of those introvert and extrovert things are. They said, you know, being an introvert doesn't mean you can't be outgoing. Introvert is like you get recharged and you get energy from being internal or um, being alone and kind of like separating yourself from others. Being an extrovert could be you get recharged and energy from being around others. That's how you, you, you know, get excited and, and fill your cup back up is based off of the energies of others. And so you can be outgoing and introverted. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this whole time for 33 years, I thought I was an extrovert. I actually think I might be an introvert. I'm just very outgoing. Yeah, so absolutely being an introvert is labeled usually with being so quiet and not wanting to go out and about. And I will tell you, one of my favorite things is networking. And as an introvert, that may not sound like it fits going into a group of probably mostly strangers and going into probably a large, loud environment. But I really have learned to thrive in those moments and and take tools with me. Um, some of the things I've mentioned is make sure that I am arriving early so that people come and speak to me. And then knowing the few questions that I can throw out there and talk to them, and it just makes me feel more comfortable when I show up. And so I can be an introvert and go to these events and nobody ever would expect me to be an introvert. We talk a lot about the power of networking on this podcast too. And the power of networking is amazing when you do it right. And I think there's even some sliminess that can come with being a networker. Like some people are like, oh, you have an agenda because like you don't just genuinely want to meet me. You must have some kind of ulterior motive. You must want a job. You must want to, you know, to connect me. What, what do you want from me to be my contact? And so I'd love to hear your take on like when you go to networking events, First of all, you know, like, how did you get out of your comfort zone? Because I love networking too, but it's, it still makes my palms sweaty, even though I am outgoing. Like, talk to me a little bit about that. I think the first thing to remember is networking makes everyone's palms sweaty. There is probably not one person in that room that walked in with utter confidence and is not thinking one thing about being uncomfortable or what they're going to say. So we're all in the same boat, first of all. And when you give yourself a little grace, it takes the pressure off that nobody's completely confident in this environment. So that's first of all, okay. Um, and then yes, just 
making genuine connections with people and not necessarily what you can get out of them. Um, I've gone to events and if you know who's going to be there before and you research people that you want to talk to and half the time, I don't make it over to those people because I'm having incredible genuine conversations with other people that I'm chatting with. And you just have to trust the process and know that you're going to talk to the right people. If you're being genuine and you're going in with the right intentions to not come out with the most contacts or the biggest name in there. And I don't want to name drop who I know. If you go in genuinely, those the connections that you're meeting will lead you to the right place if they're not the right person. I've gone into so many events and then you make friends and they make introductions for you when they learn that you don't have an agenda and you're not being slimy about it. And so just being so open and honest and not having an agenda. And I will say um, networking in this industry has been a lot more uh, easy of a transition than before. Now I'm walking into a room with people that I have a lot more things in common with. I'm thankful for the opportunity to network in an environment that I didn't have a lot of in common with because it really built me. Um, the first time that I really learned that I was going to have to just be successful at networking and that I learned to implement all the tips I got. I was at my first event by myself. I flew out to another state and showed up in an event by myself. And I'd always had either that mentor or a coworker or somebody with me. And as an introvert, you rely on that person a little bit to lead the conversation. So I started learning to put myself in environments where I was the one who had to walk up and approach people to have conversations. I was the one that had to ask questions. I had to put myself out of my comfort zone so that I could really grow and learn. And now walking into a room, yeah, my palms are going to get sweaty. I might be a little anxious, but I know for a fact I can walk into a room and have a genuine conversation with somebody and show up authentically and, and build relationships. And then the, my favorite part of networking is not necessarily walking away with that connection that I was looking for. It is connecting other people. This is part of the helper in me. This is part of meeting needs in me. And so when you talk to somebody who's trying to has this product or wants to meet someone in this industry or this company, and you can make those connections that that's really rewarding. Oh yeah. I love playing Cupid like that. Like, oh my gosh, you should meet so-and-so. Like that is my favorite thing to do. And anybody who's listening to this episode that has known me for a while, they're like, yeah, that's totally Casey. Cause I love doing that. I, I love being that connector, but it is tricky to start the conversation. So how does that conversation typically go? So if you're at an event and you don't know anybody, you don't have your wingman, you don't have a coworker, you don't have someone with you that can play like good cop, bad cop, introvert, extrovert, like you're solo. What's the first thing you do? I mean, do you just randomly go up to someone and say, oh my gosh, I love your shoes you know, where'd you get them? And then you like break the ice or, Hey, I'm Jana. And I saw that you were going to be here and I've been wanting to meet you because I read your article on such and such. Like, what do you use to start conversations? Yeah. I think the baseline before I go into anything is to do your research either about um, who's going to be there. If you know, there's a guest list out there, do your research on who's going to be there. And then secondly, do your research on the event. Um, there's a lot of networking events that are around um, charities or things like that. And so know the background of who's hosting this and know the background of the venue. So sometimes if I walk into a room and I don't know anybody and I don't know the guest list and I don't have, you know, somebody I'm looking for, then it's going to be, um, how do you know 
know about this charity? Have you been to this venue before? Yes, I love your shoes. One tip that my mentor gave me back in the day was going to events, wear something that people are going to remember. So whether it's a bright green blazer, a really loud belt, those shoes that are going to draw attention, people will remember having conversations with you and that will give them a reason to come speak to you as well. So yeah, there's a lot of times I walk in the room and if I don't know anybody, I'm going to find somebody. I'm probably going to find one or two people, not already a group that's established. And I'm going to ask them, how'd you hear about this? What do you do in this industry? What is your role? How many times have you been here? Do you have vacation plans coming up? Uh, what's your favorite thing about this place that we're at? So just really simple questions. There's no rhyme or reason necessarily to it. Um, if you know that somebody specific is going to be there and you want to connect with, definitely do your research on them and have something positive to bring up, such as I read this article, I want to talk to you about this. Here's here's what I can also provide for you. You know, our my company has a, um, we publish a magazine. We'd love to chat with you about getting your article in this magazine. Something that you can offer them and not coming up and asking for tips or asking for services from that person, but just to start a conversation. And I say all the time, I love to be one of the first people in the room. So I don't have so much pressure to walk up and insert myself in a conversation. When I'm one of the first people in the room, they'll come and talk to me. And as the night progresses, you change and talk to other people. And so if you see somebody you want to go chat with, then they have great shoes on, mention their shoes. If, if you've just heard a podcast from them, bring that up. But I love getting there early so that people are drawn to me <laughs> and can start those conversations. One of my favorite go-tos is I just own not knowing. <laughs> and I always say like, this is my first time at this event. I'm nervous. I'm not great at networking. You know, what kind of advice do you have for me to make the most out of this event, to meet the most amount of people? Or who do you recommend I go talk to next if I'm trying to connect with people who do X, Y, and Z? I agree. I think, um, as if you're the smartest person in the room or the smartest person at the table, you're in the wrong place. And when you get to a point where you feel like you, um, you know what all you're doing a disservice to yourself and really the people around you too, by, um, choosing to not listen and learn from them. Um, I, I do have imposter syndrome at times and it is new being in this industry. I will tell you before I sat at tables with people who were important, you know, and I, I had some, um, some big clients and some things that like the small, small town, Texas girl, I'm shocked with, but it never phased me because they weren't necessarily important to me. Maybe it was just a household name that was so important. So now I find myself at tables and in rooms with people that I think are so important and so influential. And I've either looked up to that company or that person. And so now it has hit me and I probably do have a decently built career and I've done so many things and I have a lot of experience. Now I find myself saying, oh my goodness, how, how did this person invite me to lunch? And we're chatting about this and they're wanting my advice. You know, I've, I've admired you for so long, or I've admired this company. And if you're at this company, surely, you know, you are, you are everything. Um, you're so beyond what I am because you're there. And so this has been new for me, but the same thing applies that was before. Just show up to the that situation, ask questions. I, I'm a huge proponent of asking questions all the time. So you can learn something um, from those people. They'll want to learn things from you too. So be open and honest. But I, I've had to kind of adapt how I 
um, go into rooms and into meetings now and say like, I belong here. I know what I'm doing. I've earned this seat at this table. I have earned my place here. They're obviously having conversations with me because they see value and what I bring to the table, whether it is my company or whether it is my personal experience and background. So this has been new and it's something I'm still working on, but I, I don't think there's a person out there that you're going to meet with. I don't think there's a speaker you're going to go to a conference with. You think they've, they've conquered it all. Um, it's something that's very natural and just give yourself grace. I have to give myself grace all the time and say, like, I'm not the only one feeling this way, but I want to be learning and growing. And if you're, if you think you have it all covered, if you're the most important person at the, the table, then um, you need to probably reevaluate some things that you're doing. One thing that has been so hard for me to learn and I've been working on a lot and I've had conversations um, with several colleagues about this recently is just show up and do what is asked of you and that's it. You don't have to go extra. You don't have to go above and beyond on everything. And sometimes that doesn't resonate with people, but think about your role. Why are you there? What is your goal to accomplish here? When you're working on a team, you have um, a role and just a piece to accomplish. So don't go in and think you have to talk to everybody and do everything for everyone. Do what is asked of you and save that extra energy for your home life, for your family, for your personal brand. If you're going to network on behalf of your company, what did they expect of you? Do they want you to get 10 contacts and leave? Do they want you to get the best contact and leave? Typically, we are networking for companies. So what is the expectation? Let them set the bar. You meet it and, and they be done. You don't have to go above and beyond and do all of the extra. You walk into that room. You were invited to be there. You belong there. You do what is asked of you. Then you take that extra energy that you have, that above and beyond, and you go home and you give that to your family and to yourself. Wow. I think that probably is an unpopular opinion, especially for people in ad, because they're like, no, we have to show up. We've got to go the extra mile. We need to prove ourselves. We have to validate this. We've got to, you know, whatever. And I speak on work-life balance a lot. And I think that that is just powerful stuff because, you know, I, I think we could think of this in two ways. One, yeah, this is my job. I'm working to earn an income so I can take care of my family and pay my bills. And then you could think of it as I'm working because I enjoy doing this and it's filling my cup up. And then you're not necessarily draining it and then having to go home and figure out how you're going to give any excess energy back to your family. So when you do the things that you love to do, which I talk about all the time, which is why I am so passionate about the working genius, when you align your strengths and your passions with the work that you do, the place that you earn an income at, it doesn't necessarily drain you. You don't have to find out that where's this reserve tank that I have to give to my family. It's, it's already fulfilled and you're, you're, there's no draining. And so I love to hear somebody, that's so refreshing, Jana, to hear somebody say like, you're not expected to go above and beyond, but... I want to hear more about this because I think a lot of companies or managers are going to say, well, hang on, how do we know who's really in this? Who's really trying to show up and prove to us that they are caring about our company? They're really caring about our, you know, this job and their customers. Who is going to show up and be above and beyond? They're the ones that are going to get promotions. They're the ones that we're going to move into this you know, advanced role. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, from a manager's perspective, because I know that that's something that you used to do in a previous role is manage people from a manager's inside scoop. What are your thoughts on that? 
So I have the best example I can give is say that I'm managing a group of 10 and we are going to put on an event that is within my wheelhouse in my previous position and currently. So if your role within that team is to go out and find a sponsor and collect the deliverables, get a signed contract for someone to sponsor the event, get their deliverables. That's what your role is. That's what you've been asked to do. Go out and you do that. And this sponsor just happens to be a beverage company. So you start talking to them about they're going to provide the beverages for this event. Great, right? You went above and beyond. You feel like you met a need. You gave the client extra. You're going to bring extra back to your team. So you come back with that information and you say, I got the sponsor. I got all the deliverables and they're going to provide the beverages for the event. Well, now my marketing team has to adjust because that was not in the marketing script for everything we're putting out there. My event planner has to adjust. The contracts have to adjust. It may not be doable to have an outside company bring in beverages for this event. So you thinking you went above and beyond really created backlash on the whole team. We all have to pivot and change things now. You probably created a little bit of distrust on the team of, well, we're not going to share so much information with you next time because you're just going to take it and run with it. So we're going to give you the bare minimum. So you just do what you're asked. Um, this has been something I've experienced on both sides of it. So when I say just do what's asked of you, I don't mean put in 50% of that job and then go home and kick your feet up and be done with it. You put in 110%. You get the best sponsor for the event. You collect everything you need to before the deadline. You meet the sponsor's needs. If they have, if they ask for some added bonus on something, you figure out how to do it. And of course, if they really want to provide beverages, you go back to your team and have those conversations. That's never just a no. And hopefully there's, you're on a team where that is a, a comfortable conversation. But when you go out and you do what's asked of you and your manager can know I, I can trust her to go do the best job I ever asked. I don't have to worry about her stepping outside the bounds of that. And then when I'm done with that job, when I'm done with the day's work, then I do put the extra energy into family or a personal brand or your social media or, or whatever it may be. Then I am filling my cup, even though I'm working in this job that is so fulfilling. I'm every day. I feel honored to be working at the company I'm at. You know, I I'm happy to be there but now I'm fulfilling my home life very, very well. So when it's time to show up back for work, I'm full in both areas. I feel accomplished. I'm working with a team that can trust me and rely on me. And then I'm still doing the things that I need to do at home. For me personally, building my personal brand and building um, a network on the personal side is important to me. I have to take time to do that. So that's where I say, do what's asked of you, show up 110%, do it well, let your clients know they can rely on you, let your team know they can rely on you. But when you're done with that task, it's okay to be done with that task, move to the next one or move to your personal things. Going above and beyond can create extra work for your team, distrust. Now you got to go back to the client and say, well, I told you you can do this, but you really can't. You know, there's, there's, there's safety in parameters too, I think. And when there's clear expectations and they can be met, that's always helpful. Um, but how I see it, it's something I've had to learn. It is something I always have to explain. And I understand where there's a hesitation every time I say it, but do what's asked of you, show up well, take that extra energy and put it into your life so you can show up better the next day. Oh man, there's so many golden nuggets in that. I'm so glad that you elaborated. I think of this, 
I had this sticky note on my computer for a long time because there were, there was a job that I did that I was really good at. I was passionate about it. I was efficient at it. And it took me less time to do than my teammates. And I always felt like, oh, did I do it wrong then? And I second guessed, did I like, did I screw something up? What did I miss? And like, you could think back to like, picture yourself in school and you're all taking a test as a class and you're the very first one done with the test you're like oh crap like I must like why is it taking everyone so much longer to do it so then you have to go back over all of your questions and make sure that the answers were correct and so you start second guessing yourself but when again when you align yourself with the type of work that you love to do it doesn't necessarily feel like work and something I had to remind myself of is activity does not always necessarily mean productivity. So just because you're doing something doesn't mean you're actually accomplishing anything. Like I think about my husband who, bless his heart, he is a tinkerer. Like he loves to tinker on stuff. And I'm like, you're not actually getting anything done. The garage is still a mess. You're just moving things from this side to this side. And he's going to like probably kick me if he hears this episode. But, you know, he feels like he's doing something. He's been out there all day, but I'm like, you've got nothing done. My kiddo does the same thing in his bedroom. He's just moving toys from one side of the room to the other. Like you're not actually accomplishing anything. And so I think, you know, like one of the tips that I read in an article of work-life balance was as a manager, be okay with your team having flexible hours. Because like you think about a parent who's multitasking, they're trying to juggle like a sick kid. Like for, for example, today, my little seven month old is upstairs taking a nap and I'm watching her on the baby monitor and I timed it just right. So she would be taking a nap while you and I recorded this episode. And that doesn't mean like I had to cancel the episode and rearrange things and have this hectic day. I just know how to work smarter and more flexible. And you know, there's, there's this tip that I read in this article that said, like, if you're okay with your team being flexible, more than likely they'll get more work done for you because you can honor them and you can incentivize them on the efficiency rather than the overworking hours. Like we don't necessarily need to pay people for overtime. We need to pay them for the the amount of work that they got done. Like the progress of a goal being moved forward, not necessarily how many hours it took to get there. And so when you change your mind about that stuff and you're like, okay, let's, that's why we need to put the right types of geniuses on the right types of tasks at the right type of right time, because that's, what's going to keep the flow going. That's where things are going to be more efficient. Like you said, kind of avoiding that backlash of like this one person thought they were working so hard and it was going to show up and their manager was going to give them an attaboy when actually you caused a big old mess. And now that did way more harm than good. I, I, I so appreciate you calling that out because I don't think that that's typically what people think about when they think about, um, you know, how they show up in their job, how they can professionally grow, how they can look better in their manager's eyes. And how as a manager, you can evaluate your team, you know, like we don't necessarily need to give the, the award or the promotion or the bonus to the person who's clocked the amount of hours. It's the person who's gotten the job done and really well. Well, I think it's important to be mindful. You mentioned letting your team be flexible. I'm somebody who would so much rather get up very early in the morning, start my day, get to work as the day progresses 
my brain stops being as productive. So if you you want me to do something very well and very efficiently at five or six o'clock, I'm going to struggle. Um, It's going to take me a lot longer. It's going to, I'm going to hit a lot of roadblocks. You give me that same project at five or 6 a.m. and you got it. I I can give it to you very, very well. Um, I had a team where I had somebody that didn't start working till 10 a.m. And for me, half my day's over by then, but their brain really woke up and they really got comfortable in that space to hit the ground running and they'd be working till five or six because that worked for them. I've also had um, team members that, they're more creative. And when you give them a task and, and you put them in this box to bring back um, a list and spreadsheets and they did, they did what they thought was right. And it's totally different than what I was expecting. So we went to the park to meet and we went to a creative environment. And so I've, I've learned that through some great management too, to ask for, if you're not feeling like you're met, if you're, if you're, um, Leadership is not listening to you and not giving you the style you like. Find out how you need to work best, whether it's morning or afternoon or outside or not, and then go to them and say, hey, this this really works for me. And then as a manager, you need to be open to recognizing those those differences also. No two people are going to work alike. And so, yes, it's not necessarily the hours put in a project. It's the results of a project. And, and if you want somebody to follow exactly these strict guidelines for it and their brain doesn't work that way, you're going to you're gonna have some frustration on both ends. So I think being flexible to em- employees as a leader is key to having a successful team. I love talking about not only time management, and, and, you know, I had this conversation with a individual one-on-one coaching of mine yesterday. And, you know, that client um, had said, like, I just don't feel like I'm getting the things done that I want to get done during the day. And I said, listen, there's the exact same amount of hours every single day. It's not necessarily about time management because the same amount of time that exists for everyone, it's priority management. You're getting the things that you don't necessarily want or need to get done before you're getting the things that you have to get done done. And so I said, let's rearrange how we're looking at our priorities and really figuring out, are you wasting your time on these other things when they couldn't be on the back burner? So we talked about priority management, but then something else that you talked about time of day, I'm the same way. I would rather wake up at 4 a.m. And get all my stuff done first thing. After two o'clock in the afternoon, I'm toast. Like my brain doesn't want to do work. I don't, I'm act, I'm having activity, but I'm not being productive. And so just being aware of your green zones, like we we do this activity a lot with my clients of let's look at a, a clock. And I want you to think about the the time of day where you're most productive. And then think about what activities you're doing during that time. So like Say you wake up at 6 a.m. and then from 6 a.m. to, um, you know, 7.30, you're getting kids ready, you're getting ready for the day, blah, 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 blah. 8 a.m. is when your day starts. And then from 8 to 9, you're just checking emails, getting your to-do list ready for the day. You're doing some like, not mindless, but it doesn't require much of your brain to do those activities. And then by like 10 or 11, You've got like the base thing, you know, building up, you're getting ready. And then by one o'clock right after lunch, that's when you dive into the projects. Well, if my green zone is from seven to 10 and I'm doing the work that can take less energy, 
during that time, I need to swap that. I need to dive right into the meaty projects in my green zone. And then I need to do my emails and start thinking about my to-do list in the afternoon. Cause it's, it's my creative juices have stopped flowing. So I don't need to do as a creative task, if that makes sense. So I love working with people on that too, because I think that ties right back into the conversation we had about as a manager, you're looking at your employees of like, do what's required of you, but do it well. And when you align your time and your geniuses and all that together, man, you can be one efficient, you know what, from this time to this time. And it is just, man, that is going to be impressive when you know that much about yourself and your strengths and what you can bring to the table when that's, what's going to impress your boss. That's, what's going to set you apart of like, wow, you just, you're so self-aware. You, you know what you can bring to the table and when you can bring it and when it's going to be the most optimized timing, like that's your sweet spot. That's stuff that's going to be standing out to others. Absolutely. If somebody just came to me and said, here's what I need, here's where I work best and listed all those things, I would feel so confident knowing that um, they are, they are going to succeed in that area. And um, I also think being able to be approachable and ask questions is huge. So if you're in a situation where you're not working and you're, you're perfect. So I think you called it the green zone or the golden hour. Like if you're not working in those moments, then to be able to have the confidence and advocate for yourself and go and say, these are the things I need. And then as a leader say, yes, I understand that very much. We're going to have so much more productivity on the other end of that. Um, I, I like to do the bulk of my work in the beginning of the day. And then I set myself up for the next day at the end of the day before that's how okay. I work best. You know, I don't, I, I can't imagine like making lists in the morning because that would be distracting. So I set myself up for the next day, the evening prior and get to work and go. Yeah. And I think that's something that was like almost taboo of like Sunday morning, Sunday evening, setting yourself up Monday. Like I, I used to have this coworker who Sunday they prepared for their week. And I'm like, that's the, that's a sacred day. Like, why are you working on Sunday? And they're like, if I don't, my whole week is shot. And I'm like, okay, you're finding out what's working best for you. And so I kind of started to do that. And I'm like, they're right. If I want my Monday to start off with a bang, it starts on Sunday. And I, I absolutely make time for my family and for church and the things that I need to do on a Sunday. But if I skip out on that, I realize that Monday is not productive for me. And so you just have to do what works for you. But Man, I was like starting to get a little hot in our conversation, Jana, because like this stuff is so good. Like, I think the faster I talk and the more my hands go in the air, the more excited I get about it. But man, thank you so much for joining us today on the Agriminds podcast. I think this is really, really good stuff. And like I mentioned earlier, I've found you on TikTok and watched a lot of your videos there. And you know, you, you share about, you know, what kinds of outfits you should wear to what type of meetings, how to set yourself up, you know, apart from others, branding yourself, uh, you know, business etiquette, all those types of things. And I think it's fascinating. If someone wants to follow along with you, connect with you, where can they find you? Yeah. So LinkedIn is one of my um, favorite places to meet people. So my LinkedIn is Jana Earp. My TikTok is J Earp Ranch. Uh, they can email me too, just directly. That's um, J Earp Ranch at Gmail. 
Jacobs.com. I would love to connect. My uh, Instagram is Jana Jacobs Herb. And so I would love to connect with anyone out there that has um, any kind of questions about this and the sees any kind of value that I could help out and then meet other people in the industry. Like I said, I'm new to the ag industry and I've met some incredible people, but I highly value any time that I can connect with others that um, I can learn with and also maybe connect to the network that I have. Yeah, you've you've brought so many good insights and like I said, golden nuggets to this conversation. I just want to say thank you for taking time to join us today and for, you know, kind of opening up and sharing some things uh, about how we can be better both personally and professionally. Thank you so much for having me.